Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing the target novelisation of The Curse of Peladon. Uh, but first, let's have some news. Um, unfortunately, we have to start our um, this week's podcast. Uh, we have to discuss John Hurt, don't we? Who we do. Sadly, yeah, sadly passed away at the age of 77. Um, did it come as a shock to you, Paul? Because I honestly... I, I, I could put this diplomatically. He, he never, he never looked the, the the most well of people, did he, throughout his career? Um, no, and he'd had the, uh, he had the cancer, the cancer, everything. Yeah. So that tends to be, you always worry that that's going to come back, and well, it's, it's weakened the body to such an ex- to an extent. Exactly, exactly. Because he, um, I mean, he was given the all clear, wasn't he? But yeah, um, you know. It does come as but, a, but, it, I mean, but it does, but it does just what it what it can do to the body, even yeah. when it's cleared up is um, terrible. Yes, it is. It is. So, um, but I'm going to sum what a what a sort of like a, a legacy is left behind. Really, um, I mean, there wasn't much that he did that wasn't iconic. Really, no. I mean, I think that's pointed out, wasn't it? By somebody pointed that out, saying the fact that. Whichever news report re- did reported his death, linked mm. to a a different film or program, <laughs> as as the big performance. So you know you sort of oh, think, yeah, exactly. You, you've then obviously had, got a got a, a a complete career. Then when you when you can do that, oh god, yeah. I mean, um, I think obviously, if, I think for a lot of people, I mean. John Hurt came onto a lot of, as I say, come onto their radar because of Alien. Yeah. I think really, um, and I think that's probably the thing he'll probably be most most remembered for, uh, to, to be honest. But I think, you know, I think before that he played Quentin Crisp in The Naked Civil Servant, um, which I've only ever seen once actually, um, and that that was years. I mean, I can't remember how long ago it was now. Actually, to be to be perfectly honest, but I mean, it was a, f- a fantastic play. And he was fantastic in it. Yeah. Um. And, uh, I mean, the other thing I saw him as, as well was Tim Rillington plays. We played Timothy Evans against um, uh, Richard Attenborough. Uh, and again, brilliant in that as well. I mean, obviously he he wasn't. You know, he was the supporting actor in in that particular film. But again. Absolutely brilliant, but you know, he, he, I mean, a lot of voice work he did. It's like Watership Down, Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, so the uh, Ralph Bakshi hmm. version, so the Elephant Man for crying out loud. I um, Claudius, I mean, it's, it's yeah. just like a, the, 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 the major parts in British film and television, isn't it? Really, oh god, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable what this what this man has done, um, or had, had done, I should say, um. But I mean, I think he's still he's still making films right up until up until he, he died, basically. So I mean, you know, his ill health didn't um, didn't hold him back. But I did. He was meant was he meant to appear in a a play recently, and he had to drop out of that because he because of his health. Um, and that that was sort of the only thing I sort of read that that he was not that well. Yeah. You know. So, um, but of course. He played the Doctor as well. This this is why we're discussing John Hurt because you know he he, he played the Doctor. Um, and what a, I mean, what a happy accident that was, really. Well, I mean, I think more than anything, just the fact that it was him playing that role, I think probably calmed a lot of 
Who fans down as to as to how his role was created? Exactly. If you're going to cast another actor as as the Doctor, I mean, you, you can't go, you know, wrong with John Hurt, really, yeah. can you? I don't know, there's, there's a bit that I'm going to throw out continuity completely. Everything you knew about the numbering of the Doctors from when it came back in 2005 is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and all of that. To actually have it accepted was pretty yeah. much due to, I think, his casting and his performance. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously, I mean, he carried that on to big finish as well, which I think we we should cover, yeah, um, fa- fairly shortly. I think, uh, to be honest, but I mean, it, it, to him, it wasn't just a one-off, was it? No, he carried he carried on playing the Doctor, um, which I think is fantastic. Um, and I've, some of the quotes that I've I've read. Um, but he, he more or less sort of like accepted the offer to play the Doctor immediately, um, and he was sort of saying to uh, the, the producer Marcus Wilson, he kept saying to him, "So I'm properly Doctor Who now. I'm the Doctor. I'm Doctor Who. Can I, I can say that, you know?" Um, and he he was he was sort of like saw that as a, a major accomplishment. Yeah. To to play the Doctor, um, it, it's just sort of kind of. I mean, I think you know Eccleston certainly. Yeah, he, he does feel the way. I think he was proud of what he did. He was proud to play the Doctor. Um, it's just fun. It's just, you know, it was a shame that he didn't take take up the offer to, to return for the day of the Doctor, but we got John Hurt instead. Yeah. And now, yeah, having having the disappointment at the time that that wasn't happening, you look yeah. back now and you think, actually, it wouldn't have been any better. It couldn't have been any better. It couldn't have been any better. And that's it no... meant as any disrespect to... Christopher Eriksson, it's that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's that he brought that world weary aspect yes. um, to the Doctor, and obviously you saw McGann regenerate into him. So obviously you regenerate into a young John Hurt, thanks to the you know the, the you know the wonders of CGI. Um, you sort of briefly saw his reflection. Yeah, um, it was actually Paul, Paul McGann tweeted, didn't it, about saying about the fact that he'd seen. Watching John Hurt in the seventies was basically one of the things that got him into acting, yeah, and whatever. To which you wanted to reply, and who'd have thought you? Who'd have thought then that you was actually going to literally turn into him? <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? It's true. I mean, I mean, I think that I think he's he's responsible for a lot of actors um, getting into acting. Yeah, basically. So, I mean. As as I said, you know, his leg the legacy he leaves behind is is absolutely astounding, um, and I'm really glad that he did play the Doctor, even if it was just once, like McGann. Really, I, mean, I can yeah. say it twice now on TV, but um, you know, he only got to play him the once on the telly. Um, but you know, fantastic in it. Yeah, you know, he's utterly brilliant. You you cannot, you just could not fault him at all. And I think you know, I read somewhere else, you know, that it didn't matter what John Hurt was in. He never gave a bad performance. No, you know, he, he's. I mean, I've always said that about Peter Cushing. Didn't matter what. I mean, Peter Cushing appeared in some really terrible films, but he was always good in it. He always gave it everything. He didn't. He never treated anything as a joke. Yeah. And you sort of, and you sort of get that feeling with um, um, John Hurt as well. Even sort of like he was. He was voiced. Um, I totally forgot he voiced the dragon in Merlin, which I never watched. To be honest. Um, but it just goes to show that he, he wasn't adverse to, to taking like you know only voice only roles, 
and he was he was still making films as well. So you know, it was um, there was no snobbery about the man, was there? No, absolutely none whatsoever. So, I mean, what I mean, I, 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 have you have you seen Alien? I know Alien's not your kind of film, is it, Paul? No. So, <laughs> but what I mean, what would you say? You know, um, the films you've seen him in. What what would you say? That was your favourite John Hurt performance. Do you have one even? Um, I think particularly just actually talking about the Naked Civil Servant, I think was probably the most memorable for me. Yeah. Um, just because it was such a, you think just a, a, an interesting story and an interesting role to play for him. I mean, it's just to well, take it I... as well. To, uh, you know, oh yeah. In that that day and age. Still, uh, still a brave role to take. Yes, yes, very. It was with nineteen seventy. Oh God, when was that? Seventy five, was it? Yeah, I think I can't, honestly can't remember. But well, I didn't. I totally forgot though. He he played Quentin Crisp again, didn't he? In the Englishman in New York. That was in two thousand and nine. I I've never seen that. No, I haven't. Never seen it. Um, and I must be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Caligula. I've seen the bits that he was in. I haven't, I haven't watched it's one of those things I've never watched yeah. all the way through. Um, but I was fortunate enough to see him playing Caligula, so uh, which was sort of like <laughs> he got the psychotic angle down quite <laughs> quite well yeah. actually. Um, but my I think my favourite performance um, I, probably for me is the Elephant Man. Actually, I I, I just love that film. I, I really do. Um, it's I mean it's accused of being a little bit mawkish in, in places, but I. I, I love it. I think it's great, and I mean, I mean, to the makeup, he, you know, the transformation he underwent apparently took like eight hours um, a day to, to, or each time yeah. rather, to, to, to put that makeup on. Um, and I think he actually said that this, this is the film that's actually made me hate acting. Apparently, apparently what allegedly he said to his wife at the time. So he had to film every other day. He filmed on, on alternate days because I think to do that every day would have just been too much for him, basically. Yeah. So um, that's that's some sort of serious dedication. But what a performance! And he he, he was nominated for an Oscar um, for that one. I, th- I can't think who he lost out to that year, actually. But um, but yeah, I mean, what what a what a guy! What a what an actor! Really is so, um, but I think we'll have to cover some some of these big finish stuff. Yes, definitely um, soon. Um, and it's a it's a sad thing to say, Paul. This is also our since we began podcasting sort of nearly six years ago now. Um, I'm sort of this is sad to say this this is our first doctor we've yes. had to sort of talk about dying, isn't it? Yes, we've we've managed yeah. to keep them alive so far. We have so far, haven't we? We really have. Um, let's, let's hope just that there's not another one anytime soon. No, no, certainly not. Now, um, unfortunately, since since we we sort of last on the air, uh, unfortunately, another um, Doctor Who actor's passed away. Philip Bond um, died at the age of 82. Now, Philip Bond um, was in the Daleks. He played with the uh, the Thal Ganatus. Um, and he was a member of sort of like the expedition that went off with uh, Ian and Barbara. Um, up into the mountains. Um, now, I didn't realise um, that he was the father of Samantha Bond. No, I didn't until I saw that. No, I absolutely no idea. Um, and if people don't 
sort of, or can't think of the, who Samantha Bond is. Uh, she played Money Penny um, in the Pierce Brosnan era uh, Bond films, and she also played Mrs. Wormwood in the Sarah Jane Adventures as well. So, um, but again, he was another one who sort of like appeared in all those sort of I- iconic um, TV shows. Really, yeah. um, it was you know, def- definitely the. Well, he he was obviously a working actor in the sixties and seventies, wasn't he? Because oh, the, li- God, the yeah. list of what's there is. I mean, he says he was in over seventy series over a fifty-year period. I mean, I mean, he... <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, you know, but he's one of your favourites as well, Paul. Shoestring, String. yes, who's in that? Uh, the Avengers, Zed Cars. Um, what else we've got? No hiding place. Sherlock Holmes. I'm assuming the Sherlock Holmes must have been the Peter Cushing stroke Douglas Wilmer um, version. Um, casual Midsummer Murders as well. So um, again, what a what, what a career as yes. well. What a career. So oh dear, that's that's, that's pretty pretty sad really to talk about two sort of uh, two deaths really. But um, let's let's try and cheer cheer things up a little bit. Um, at sort of lastly in the news, um, big finish. Yes. Um, they've won uh, a BBC Drama Award. Um, it was the BBC Radio Drama Awards. Um, and they won the category for Best Online Non-Broadcast Drama. Um, and that's for a story called Absent Friends, which was the first part of uh, Doom Coalition 3, uh, which was released in October last year. And it's an Eighth Doctor um, serial. Um, so congratulations to them, actually. I haven't listened to the Doom Coalition, but I've, I've heard nothing but, but great things about it. Yeah. Um, now they they won this category previously in 2014 um, for Dark Eyes. Yes. Um, which I have listened so, to. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which again was well deserved. Actually, I have you know that's absolutely brilliant. So. I mean, to, um, to be honest, I mean, <clears throat> most yeah, most of the big finish stuff is is pretty much there or thereabouts, isn't it? In terms of it is what you yeah. want. I mean. When we review it, there may be the odd fit we pick up, but I don't think we necessarily argue on quality. <laughs> no, no, we certainly don't. I mean, I think we've we've probably been um, how can I put it picky yes. in the past, really, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> it's almost like oh, well, we're reviewing it. We've got to find fault with it somewhere, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, um, well, it might just okay. be stories or the odd performance yeah. by an actor that we don't like, but in terms of the actual production and whatever, then. Oh no, no! I mean, it, I mean, you know, it's, it's that old adage: n- nobody sets out to make a bad movie or a bad play, do they? No. You know, it's it, they certainly don't in, sort of envisage that when they when they're you know making it. Um, they just now and again, it's not going. It's not going to be to everyone's taste. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, I mean, we <laughs> we should know that, shouldn't we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyone who does, you know, puts their work out in the public domain, you know, it's 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 not going to be for everybody. So, you know, you, you you've got to have your critics. So, um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, congratulations to them. Well deserved. Well deserved. That's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, now, last actually, there is one more thing to discuss in um, in the news actually, and this um, sort of came up last week, uh, which I put on our Facebook group and on our Twitter feed as well. Um, is that appears that Peter Capaldi has got yet another coat. Uh, another a, a cosplay challenge um, has been set, I believe. <laughs> it's just basically happening. He actually has a wardrobe. I think it is. They're sort of making full use of the, of the TARDIS wardrobe here, aren't they? Um, yes, for those of you who haven't I've seen it on our Facebook group, I mean, on our, on also on our Facebook page as well, I mean, please you know, head on over there. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's a, more of a, a grey, um, sort of charcoal grey colour, this one, um, with like a... What's, what's, it's got like a little check pattern to it, as well, if you look closely enough. Um, but it's looking rather worn, isn't it? Yes. Rather worn and uh, grubby, actually. Um, and now, I'm I'm actually partially colour blind, so I don't, have you, you've seen the photo, haven't you, Paul? I have, he's with, yeah. He's with Bill as well. Um, are the trousers black now as well? Um... I've seen it. Can I remember what it was like? Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. Because we haven't got the. We can't. Now I've put it out there. I mean, I haven't logged into Facebook. We cannot find the photograph anywhere online. So <laughs> it's got to be there somewhere. Um, yeah, I have great difficulty distinguishing between navy blue and black. So um, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to tell me are oh, the trousers with this um, particular jacket, are they black or are they navy blue? So. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But I mean, I mean, I'm going to be at um, uh, the Gallifrey One convention um, in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so um, I mean, please come and say say hello um, if you know what I look like. Um, but I, I'll say I, I've, I've previously established that I will be cosplaying as as the Twelfth Doctor. But it, it looks like I'll be cosplaying as the original Twelfth Doctor. <laughs> I, that's the combo. That's the combo I'm going for now. I go out on a limb and say they are black. They are black. It, it looks black to me, but then again, I, I can't trust my um, my my partial colour blindness mm. on that one. Actually, so um, yes, yeah, so th- thank you, thank you, Paul. <laughs> it looked black to me. She's in blue. Way. He's in black, as far as I can see. Yeah. Okay. I, I was right then. I was right. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, well, there you go. Another another challenge for all you cosplayers out there. And I think there are some people working on. Uh, they're, they're, uh, this particular frock coat, uh, you know, as we um, as we recalled, so I know yeah. I know one of one in particular. So there you go, there you go. Got to anyway. get a black one and drag it along the floor a bit. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it certainly weathered okay. Crikey, yeah. I think get get the wire wool out on that one. I think actually give it a good a good rub down. But uh, anyway, anyway, so I mean, unfortunately, that that was that was rather sort of a sad or not not. Not the the kind of news we like to we like to bring people. No. Really, is it? So it really isn't. It really isn't. So, um, but anyway, here's hoping the ne- the next podcast we do has got some some better news. Anyway, folks, so that's it for the news then. So coming up next is our review of the Target novelisation of the Curse of Peladon. So for another week then, that was the news. And um, breaking news, actually, we've, we've literally just sort of finished recording the news um, for this podcast, and it's literally just sort of broken that Peter Capaldi has confirmed that he is leaving Doctor Who at the end of this year. The, the uh, This year's Christmas special will be his last. Um, we, we, it sort of caught us on the hop a little bit, hasn't it, Paul? It has, yeah. Uh, just just in the fact that it's actually almost been just a sort of throw out thing and I suppose I wondered why I, I had seen that he was going to be on the radio tonight and he did sort of wonder that was a bit odd timing yes yes um, yeah because he, he, he announced this on the Joe Wiley show on Radio 2 this evening um, so wow blimey um, I suppose you could say we, we, we didn't see the, you know you can't say we didn't see this coming no well, we sort we sort of wanted to bury our heads in the sand, didn't we, and pretend it wasn't going to yes, happen? Yes, ever. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Actually, um, I'm 
personally gutted. That's that's my immediate reaction. I'm I'm gutted that he's going. To be honest. Yeah. I'd just like to have seen him under a different show. I would have done. Um, I think it's a missed opportunity. But actors have got to do what the actors do, and they move on to you know pastures new. And he obviously feels that you know the time is right. You know. Yeah. So um, fair play to him. Fair play to him. So here here it begins. Here it begins. The the the. You know the the the, the tabloids be cast the net wide now, won't they? For who's going to replace in uh, Peter Capaldi? And the question is, have they already worked out who they want? Have they already got somebody? It's possible. It's possible. So whether they'd you know, obviously, obviously, from a publicity point of view, you wouldn't want to announce anything now anyway, because you quite like a couple of months of speculation, speculation. drum up a little bit of press. Yeah, exactly. So, so who do you reckon out of the usual suspects we'll see troll there? It'll probably be like Catherine Zeta-Jones, um, Billy Piper. That's the usual one to get trotted out. Alan Davis will probably come up again, won't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe Patterson Joseph will come up again. Who knows? Who knows? David Tennant coming oh, back. Yeah, that, that, that's the <laughs> other one. Yes. <laughs> yes, let all the bollocks commence. That's all I've got to say, really. So. It's only John Hurt that's ruled himself out, really, isn't it? <laughs> he could re reject back into Paul McGann. <laughs> that's, yeah, possibility. <laughs> Oh dear! Well, that, that, there you go. There you go. That that is um, come as come as a shock. And that's breaking news. Breaking news for us on the. Um, we'd actually um, insert this into the podcast. We'd actually finished recording for the evening, hadn't we? <laughs> yes. And, and this popped up on the Twitter feed, so um, we had to we had to discuss it rather than leave it for a to week after next, really. So. Yeah. Oh dear. So um, there you go. So um, that really was the end of the news this time. Um, so coming up next is our review of. Um, the Curse of Peladon um, by Target. Okay, everybody, uh, we're now going to review uh, the Target novelisation of The Curse of Peladon, which I should know is a Third Doctor and Joe Grant story. Uh, this particular story was released in, in paperback in 1975, um, with Brian Howes uh, adapting his own script, Yes, uh, basically. Um, now, obviously, um, just to give everybody a bit of a heads up, there will be spoilers about this particular book because we'll be discussing the differences between the novelisation and the televised version. And therefore, spoilers about the televised version. Yes, indeed. <laughs> if you've not got I, the DVD yet. Yes. I, 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 I hope that most of you would have seen it by now. But anyway, anyway, um, I do believe, Paul, it is your turn to, to start off proceedings, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, okay. What do you think? Um, first of all, can I say the one thing as far as I'm concerned, the book definitely has advantage over the TV uh, episode is the fact that we don't get uh, Troughton's... You don't get to see Troughton in high-length, high-length boots and a short <laughs> tunic in the book. <laughs> In what way did that disturb you, Paul? <laughs> in, well, in, in the fact that, that I was thinking, I could cosplay that next time. <laughs> oh, it was that funny feeling, was it? <laughs> it was. I don't know why. I mean, because, you know, it's, it's, it, just, it just sort of was like this. You sort of couldn't get his head out of your head that he was wearing sort of 
stockings and suspenders almost. And it was like, mm, well, you know, it's each to his own, and he's king, so who's going to tell him? But um, exactly, exactly. The, the king, the king lord, had plenty of me time, doesn't he? So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's up to him, really. You know. <laughs> oh, there goes this image there, and now and now a few moments with King Peladon. Da 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 da. da. <laughs> He's parading round. <laughs> yeah, <That's>... I mean, it's <laughs> uh, it's, oh, obvi- it's it's obviously they they do reenactments of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, anyway, getting getting anyway. past that and getting back to anyway, the book. Getting back to the book, yes. I'm actually going to say I really enjoyed this. I've bought the DVD, the sort of Peladon Tales DVD box set, a while yeah. ago, yeah. and I have to say, having bought it, I was still sort of my memories of it not being that good. I don't know, you know, sort of thing. wasn't wasn't necessarily one of my favourite episodes. Well, the, the thing ever. is, I I I remember. I don't remember watching The Curse of Peladon when I was a kid, but I do remember watching The Monster of Peladon. Because obviously the one thing that stands out is Alpha Centauri, because there was just been yes. nothing like it before or since. So, um, obviously, I think the first time I watched The Curse of Peladon is when you used to record them off of UK Gold, as it, as it used to then be called. Yes. Um, so I used to sort of record those omnibus. They used to be on every Friday night and Sunday mornings or something. Yes. Or something weird like that, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I think that was the first time I'd actually watched it. So um, the next time I watched it was one of same as you when I bought the Peladon Tales um, box set. Um, and I, I ever since watched this, I've always liked this story. Always, I don't know. There's something about it I like. I like the, the whole castle setting um, about it, and I like the, the sort of the wide array of. Um, not you know wide array of aliens, but there's different aliens there, and and the and the ice warriors as well. Yeah. Um, which I must admit, I'd totally forgotten were even in the monster of Peladon when I was a kid. The ice warriors didn't mean anything to me back then. All I was, all I was remembered was um, Alpha Centauri, and that was it. Um, so I was looking forward to reading this book because it's one of my favourite um, my favourite Pertwee stories because I like all the the subterfuge about it as well. And there's like a murder mystery. Sort of going on as well, hmm. so um, I, I I loved it. I I love the TV version, but I I I think that the book is superior to the TV version. Yeah, just just because actually the main thing in in this is the the either murder, the, as you say, the murder mystery and the political subterfuge with that. I mean, some of the bits in it were just brilliant. What what you don't necessarily get so much on the, the screen. I was actually surprised there was bits of it there. Mm. Was when the Ice Warriors are taking Alpha Centauri back to let him reconsider his views on whether they should stay and help the Doctor or not. Yes. <laughs> there was there was more of um I could put sort of more of a, a bullying angle towards Alpha Centauri. Yes. Wasn't there in in, in the book? I mean they they sort of um Make sort of asides about him um, or, or her, actually, um, in the in the TV version. It's more sort of like said, not in, not in Alison Turi's earshot, but in the book, they're sort of very much sort of like, "Oh, shut up for God's sake! Stop whining!" You know, sort of panicking. They're sort of they're really having a a go at the, the poor little sort of on a lot of occasions, aren't they? Um, yeah, I'm, but 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 he, but he he's annoying. 
There is no no two ways about it, just on the fact of... I I like the way that um, Brian Hales described um, Everson Turi's voice. He's like a a nervous lady in waiting. (laughs) Yes. And just the fact that both the king and Hapesh seem to have to try and stop themselves from laughing when he first speaks, because they're not expecting it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I thought that that was really good. That was really good. I, I love that. Angle. But I also like the fact that he, he what Brian Hales did with this, it was a lot more. He did a lot more world building. Yes. With with, with this as well, and if we as we're on the subject about Alpha Centauri, um, obviously he's referencing the fact of the of the particularly cumbersome crap costume um, that um, Stuart Phil was made made to wear. So. He addresses that in the book, which is we're saying he couldn't move very well to, to due to the gravitational uh, difficulties. Yeah. So he just so he he gets around that by just just by saying that. But what I sort of liked as well that he kept change or he she kept changing colour. Yeah, depending on yeah his mood was yeah or his state of anxiety or whatever. Yeah, which seemed to be blue a lot when he was scared. So yes. <laughs> um. Now, is brilliant. I mean, obviously. And in them days, the BBC couldn't stretch to doing that on screen. No, exactly, exactly. I mean that that the, I mean parts parts of the screen. The problems with this is basically because what lets it down is what they could do in those days. Yeah. Um, particularly, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not knocking it for that because it, no. it was it was a. It was an interesting costume to do with um, not a lot of sort of technical know-how, really, or yes. they haven't got the, the materials they've got now. So I think it was it was a, a very brave thing to do, and they brought him back again for a second story, so it couldn't have been that bad, could it? No, no. I mean, no. It, it, was, it was a it was a well-known character. I mean, yeah. Even if yeah. you just saw a still now, that you know who that char- who that is. Oh God, yeah. Um, I mean, I would like to see what they could do um, with that character now. Yeah. To be honest, um, and unfortunately, they'd probably go down the whole CG route um, rather than going for a, um, a proper costume. But I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe that that could be a returning a returning creature one of these days. Who knows? But um, yeah, and I, I like the, the more um, absent to his agitation at the the decor. Of, <laughs> Oh, the living quarters. It was. It was sort of like it was too, um, too plain and, and too stark and, and brutal. Very basic. Very basic. Yeah, it's just sort of, You get this impression they sort of live in a lot of comfort, where they come from, and sort of, um, sort of decor means everything. You yeah, sort of get, they get sort of get that impression. But um, yeah, no, the, I, the I, only the only ones who didn't seem to be bothered were the ice warriors. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Who they just treated um, it like barracks. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but as I was coming back to like the world building thing, um, you had sort of, you know, you know, mentioned about the the, the three moons of, of Peladon and sort of like Mount um, Mageshra, which is where the palace or the, the castle stood. So, which was never referenced in in the the TV version, yeah, um, at all. So, um, and I like the backstory of Peladon um, after his father had died. As well about Torbis placing him on the throne, um, and Peladon's mother putting his hands in um, one of his hands in Torbis, and the other one uh, his hand in Hepesh's hands. So um, you've got more of a 
an insight into what what was um, sort of what, what went on with, with the young Peladon and how and how much he did look up to Hepesh and and, and Torbis. Yeah, and, and to why then the a the betrayal as such is even harder for him to take. Yeah, and why he can't bring himself to denounce him in yeah, time that he so he still actually has power to rally for the um to try and take the throne whereas if he yeah. replaced him as his as the religious leader he wouldn't have been able to have speak, speak spoke to the guards as Agador's representative no that's right that's right now it I mean, this whole story um it's meant to be an allegory, really, wasn't it, of um, Britain joining the common market? Yes. Um, and I suppose, really, it's still relevant now. Well, actually, it's probably it's quite it? relevant now because we're, we're now going out. I mean, if you're saying about if Alpha Centauri is going to come back, perhaps they can go to Peladon for its Pexit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the Federation. <laughs> Well, that would make an interesting story. Actually, it would do. Um, it, it's just so weird that a story that's over, you know, over forty years old is still relevant um, today. You know, well, I mean, when we say that, I mean, probably if we'd reviewed this two years ago, we'd have said it wasn't relevant at all. No, exactly. Well, so, you it's know, just how it comes yeah. around, you know, but yeah, how things happen. And when you are watching this, you sort of there are arguments being put forward by people that you think I've actually heard those in the last couple of years, the last year yeah. or so. Yeah, you have. That that's that's the ironic thing, you know. I don't I don't ironic or scary. I'm not entirely entirely yeah. sure, really. You know, it's all about <laughs> yeah. you know, the whole yeah, our, is... our way of life and all that kind of thing. You know, it's, um... <laughs> yeah, going back to the dark ages. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We don't know. Oh dear, uh, yeah. Well, it certainly seems to, to be that the world's going to hell in a handcart at the moment. But there you go. Um, and you looked to like sci-fi to take you out of that, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, hey, but, but it shows. Right. I mean, but no, but a lot of a lot of sci-fi is basically trying to. It's show... holding the mirror, mirror yeah. up to the to the real world, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the best is. I mean, so. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, but um, no. I, I anyway. Um, getting back to, to to this, I mean, um, I mean, Hepesh, I think, come across a lot more conniving in this particular story. Yes. Um, th- than he did because obviously you you got more of the inner monologue. Um, again, and you, and again, the way you were sort of playing the king. Uh, a, 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 as well, was, was certainly brought more to the fore. And, and the fact that he's actually been playing a long game anyway. This wasn't he, you know. There wasn't just the fact that oh, when his first plan didn't work, mm. what did he do? That he then rushed and made a quick second plan. No, he had a backup plan already. Yeah, um, with the guards. I mean, you also get the bit where the fact that in the story. You almost get the you don't get the bit where he the conversation he has with Grun before Grun goes up to dislodge the um, statue. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, which which you know he basically uses, like, the, the 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 fear and superstition 
um, of Alagor, uh, sort of Alagor, who's bloody hell's Alagor? Agador, sorry. Um, and... <laughs> and at some point, I'm going to say Agadu as well. I know. <laughs> I'll just push a pineapple. For <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, he, he he just uses fear and superstition all the way through this, um, and he's constantly playing people all the way all the way through. Um, and I mean, he, you, you kind of sort of like as I was reading, and I know what's going to happen to him, but I'm really I sort of really couldn't wait for the bit where, where Agador strikes him down because he he becomes so um, conniving and devious. I couldn't wait for him to meet his end. To, to be honest, yeah. Just, you know, it's. Um, but I think he, the way he, he sort of conned Grun, uh, yeah. saying, you know, yeah, that, that, you saw Agador and you lived and you've been ordained. You know, wait, and, that that is a that is a lot more in the book, isn't it? Oh, How God, Grun? Yeah. I mean, because really, uh, even to the point where in the store in the TV, where Grun goes to get Hepesh. You're still not there, actually, necessarily realizing that Grun isn't willing to go along with it. No, it's Grun's a, he's much better written. Yeah, in the I mean, book than he was in the TV. It in the thing, the, you think he's actually a willing accomplice and doesn't want the, you know, to that. It's actually just that Hepesh has got him so confused into thinking that this is the only way to protect the king. Yeah, with superstition and whatever. That he goes along with it, and it's only when he then realizes how much he's been portrayed mm. that that character, you know, you sort of really get the fullness of that character. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's how can I put it? it he, he's, I mean, come the end, he's got he's got this respect for the Doctor, yeah, as well. Um, for, for you know, for the way he sort of handles um, Agador um, at the end. So. Um, and, and also the way, he, and, 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 yeah. and, and that scene, that scene with Joe as well. Yeah, and then the with scene Joe. though where Grun actually kneels before the Doctor, yeah, and he, tell, and he helps him up, doesn't he, to yeah. say no, we are friends, not. But I was going to say he, he he does that with Joe when Joe. I mean, again, this is something that's not in the TV version when when Joe tries to convince Grun, um, not not to fight the Doctor. Yeah. And saying what Hepesh is doing is, is is evil and everything, and when she says that you know um, we we are to be married, um, Grun immediately sort of bows before her. Yeah, and he's and he's generally pleased that the king's getting married to her. So yeah. um, it's only until like Hepesh enters the room and sort of scares Grun back on track again, basically, doesn't he? Yeah, you know. It, yeah, you do um, get the more that Grun really actually is not just. There, as a soldier beside the king, it no, actually like, it, it's it's a great honor for him to serve his king and to protect yeah. his king. He's not just the hard muscle, is he? There, no. there's, there's a lot. There's a lot more sort of conflict. Yeah. Um, w- w- within Grun than than the TV allows, really. You know, he, he can say in the TV, he's just. As you say, you you think he's just as you say a willing accomplice, but in the book he's nothing but at all, and it, yeah. it makes him, it makes the character so much more interesting. Yeah, it, it really does. It really does. Um, but I think the uh, the other thing is, as I, I liked about this as well was um, when Joe finds the Doctor um, singing um, to um, Agador, or she hears the Doctor singing to Agador yeah. in the tunnels, and she said. He, 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 He's singing sound. It was like he was in agony from a terrible wound. Yeah, <laughs> which I, 
which I, I can not imagine Pertwee going along with at all. <laughs> you can imagine if they said, "Yeah, your your sings went to be really bad, John." And he's like, "Absolutely not." You know, I can't imagine it. You know, he yeah. allowing his doctor to do anything anything terrible. You know, but um, actually, talking about the doctor in this one, do you, do you find him? Do you find him more or less patronising in the book and pompous as well? Because his doctor could be very pompous when it came to Joe, certainly. Um, I actually think this is actually not a bad... In, in retrospect, this isn't a bad story for Joe. It's not really, is it? She actually works out quite a lot herself Yeah. in this. And isn't the... Oh, Doctor, save me and whatever companion in this at all. She basically gets out of her own trouble. Yeah. Um, There's no point at which she's screaming and running off. No. No. So, yeah, and and literally, say, works out her own problems. And to the extent in that scene where she does actually try to think she has to save the Doctor. Um does something yeah i mean she's constantly trying to save the doctor throughout this isn't she yeah. really I mean, I mean i mean the doctor seems to lurch from one trap laid by hepish to the next really doesn't it yeah and, um, e- and even having a go at the doctor for saying you know that you like being being the center of attention yes that, we that, can't that was, you know that, we, we could yeah. just get the tardis and go home but you just you're enjoying too much being the center of attention and being the person everyone looks to. Do you, do you get a funny feeling that might have been something Hal's put in more about Pertwee than, than the Third Doctor? Because uh, he loved being the centre of attention, Pertwee, didn't he? I mean, the, the Third Doctor basically was John Pertwee. There wasn't yeah. too much distinction between the two of them. So, yeah, I, I'm beginning to wonder if that's not, not a dig, mm. but... Um, no, but I do quite uh, like the a, fact a that the doctor, the doctor takes it as well. In yeah. that, and says, you know, that it is true, and basically, yeah. just but but just sort of has a little go back saying, and do you like being a princess? That is to true. Joe. Actually, well, Joe, that's the thing. You know, Joe certainly goes with this, doesn't she? I yeah. He's saying those times when she's trying to um, influence uh, the council, the Federation Council, and especially like towards the end where she's sort of coercing. Um, with the best of them, actually, to get Alpha Centauri, yeah, um, sort of back back on track again, you know. So um, yeah, I, I just I just really like the um, I, I, I like Joe in this one. I thought she was she was really good, really good, really well written. Yeah, actually, actually, even the TV version, she's not. Um, how can I put it? She's not typical Joe. No, that's what I mean. I think it is and actually... And story full stop, really, isn't it? It's yeah. not just the book version, it's, it's the TV version as well. But more so in, in, in the book version. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, you know, I think on the TV, but certainly back in those days, that, you know, whoever's travelling the Doctor had to do a little bit of screaming and, and save me, Doctor, um, a lot of the time. But I suppose in the book, um, he's sort of got carte blanche, really, hasn't he? Yeah, no, but but even yeah, but even in this story, I mean, like she she gets out of the lock cellar by herself. Yeah, yeah, um, she does. Yeah, she man, she goes to Grun on her own to try and persuade him not to fight the Doctor, as we said. Yeah, and puts quite a 
case there, using her own initiative to realize when she realizes that if she says that she's to be the to marry the king, that he might mm. then take her order not to fight. Yeah. yeah. You know, it never. It, I mean, it very nearly worked. It hadn't been for Hemish yeah. walking through the door at that particular yeah. moment. So, um, but I like the fact that Bronhouse added that in. Yes, because I mean, the TV it just sort of goes from the Doctor being in the in the throne room um, when he comes back after escaping after um, sort of a Hepesh sort of lets him go, um, sort of, um, and next thing you know, they're sort of climbing down the ropes into the pit. Yeah, and there's a bigger build up to that fight as well, isn't there? Well, that... you get the you get the whole thing with I mean Grun's armor. I mean that's yeah. another thing in the TV version. And neither of them, I mean the Doctor doesn't wear armor in the book because he, he says it will slow him down. But which um, makes a lot of sense that if he tries to fight Grun on Grun's on Grun's terms, he's yeah. got no chance. No, exactly. Um, and obviously because it's a book, the the pit that they're loaded into is a lot more imaginative than a yes. um, a four sided sort of um, sort of. How can I put it? Sort of climbing net, yes. Um, with with a bit of dust on the front and a log. Um, this is all sort of like sort of different levels and shiny granite and some pretty nasty looking weapons in there as well. So um, yeah, and they have to actually find the weapons and yeah, whatever, rather than literally having them as soon as they arrive. Yeah, it's it's a lot, and there's no um, hepesh chucking down the you know the 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 the, the, the caps of the guard swords down to grun. Yeah. Or anything like that. Um Yeah, so it's it's a lot better a lot better done, it really is. And then the fight itself is um is is, is well written as well actually. Um because the Well the doctor doesn't get really get much of an upper hand throughout this fight at all really, does he? No, it is literally it, at the end, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um but then I like all the um uh, the, 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 uh, so going back to the bit beforehand, sort of the build up to the, um, to the to, you know to, to the, the fight in the pit, you've got the whole thing about Grun and the armor, um, and the Doctor and Sorg as well. Um, now, I like the fact that Sorg goes off with the Doctor to help him prepare for combat. And I swore to helping because obviously yeah. they're all armored up themselves, aren't they? Um, but it's that bit sort of like um, so you know I'll do the old um, you know float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, and he does the Ali shuffle. Hmm. I'm just trying to imagine John Pertwee doing that now. Yeah. So maybe he did and they cut it. Who knows? But um, <laughs> but but the other thing with Peladon in the temple as well, saying you know if if the the Doctor dies, then basically you know all images of Agador will be torn down and all the temples will be walled up. You know, but it's a, you know if if the Doctor Doctor wins, then you know he'll he'll honour Agador. Yeah. You know so. He was set up that that conflict with the, within the king as well, you know, um, which I and you sort of that was sort of showing the king was sort of trying to stand on his own two feet rather than looking to Hepesh all the time or Torbis when he was alive as well. Yeah, you know, making his own decisions. So yeah, and I, you know, I, I really did um, like to, and I like the fact that Grun saved the Doctor at the end as well when um, Arcturus fires his laser down. Yes, into the pit, um, which I, which I like because you know he, he, it, it made sense because the doctor spared Grun's life. Yeah, you know he said, you know, I'm not going to kill the king's champion, and he just um, so when Arcturus fires, he 
push the doctor out of the way so which, which i thought was great actually it, it works you know it's not out of nowhere it, it, it really does work that bit um and also like Arcturus in this story as well, actually. He's not, he's not that sort of funny little head. He's like something swimming around inside that bowl, isn't it? Yeah. And the whole thing with when uh, his life support is tampered with. The whole yeah. thing with it clouding over and whatever was well described. It was. It was really well described. Really well described. The one um, thing in this book... That I di- didn't necessarily elaborate on, and perhaps could have done, was mm, yeah, just the whole thing about Octorius when he fires, yeah, why he really felt he had to there, and why him doing that sort of showed his hand as being Hepesh's that he was in league with Hepesh. Yeah, it. It was always, it was, it was always, it's always sort of slightly been the weakest part of the, this story, and the book didn't address that at all. No, it didn't really, did it? Yeah, I thought it, you might have yeah. got some scene where Octorius is talking to Hepesh. Hmm. Even you know, even as a prologue sort of thing. Yeah. Although no, yeah. not necessarily, because you nece- wouldn't necessarily have wanted that, because it obviously would have spoiled the. Surprise later on in the book, but there, there, yeah. there, you would have thought there would have been something or a flashback or whatever to that yeah, I, because I there agree. just never yeah. was, was there any sort of um, you know, you sort of still, still read having read and watched the thing. It's like, why did he show his hand? There must have been another chance, felt he might have had another chance at another later date to derail yeah. the, the conference. I mean, certainly working on Alpha Centauri would have been the yeah logical thing to do there, wouldn't it? So I mean, he'd have been better off, yeah, staying out of it and going back and vetoing anything that was said, yeah, rather than that, which just seemed to be. I mean, what what would he have what would he have gained by doing that if he kills the Doctor there, even if he hadn't been then shot by the Ice Warriors? What would yeah. have how not how really. how would that have played out any better? Not well, not really, because I think at that at that particular, um, okay, the Doctor didn't have any; he wasn't the Earth uh, representative. But um, yeah, if that if word of that had got back to Earth, then they would have wiped Peladon off, you know, out of the, off, you know, out of the universe, and um, Arcturus wouldn't have got his hands on all the minerals. Well, the, the, you'd, that you'd have thought, thought that you would have thought then you know, there so. would there would have been war between Earth and. Uh, where, Peladon. No, well, Arcturus uh, as well. Yeah, yeah Arcturus. You know? More, yeah. more than that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it, it just that's always been the weak point to this story is is the the why does he do it then? Yeah. And why does that immediately everyone turn around and say, ah, he, they he was behind it. Well, they kind of suspected, didn't they? Because the doctor, yeah, and so, and so did. Um... Is Lear as well? So, um, well, because he says, I mean, he says to the Doctor, "I, we're not, we're not alone," doesn't he? Hepesh yeah. says to the yeah. Doctor, so the Doctor knows somebody else is there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I just sort of, you sort of felt there should have been something else. So I actually sort of read that bit, and then it goes starts the new chapter, doesn't it? Where it does. They're discussing yeah. afterwards, and I actually went back and actually read that again just in case I'd missed something. Missed something. <laughs> Well, talking. I mean, before we start missing something, because there's something right at the very end that, that's missing. Um, 
the, the battle between the Kingsmen and, and Hepish's um, temple guards. Yeah. Now, that's a lot more um, violent, because basically, you know, when they sort of down their arms, well, you see, one and, the, and the, you know, because the, 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 the captain of the um, temple guards has got, you know, um, Peladon at, at sword point. And what you know, stop you know, everybody stop or the king dies. Yeah. So they all drop their you know, put their swords on the ground and then they're killed. Yeah. Um which obviously doesn't happen in the T V version. Um But I thought oh, that sort of that sort of quite surprised me, to be honest. And we don't get which sort of makes the king's pardon even more of a gesture. Yes. Because it it's not does, it's yeah. not just it's not just the treason mutiny sort of thing. It is actually that he's just watched them cold-bloodedly kill his guard. Yeah. And and also what you don't get in the TV is the burying of Hepesh with Fawanas and whatever. Mm. That he's not going to, you know, literally striking that day from their records... Yeah, that bit is in the TV version, isn't it? When he when he says about him to be to be buried with with full rank, and the, and the day would be struck from the records. That 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 bit is in the TV version. I know I'm he says sure the it is. day to be struck from the records, but I'm not quite sure if it goes as far as saying for Hepesh to be buried. I think it does. All right, perhaps I, think, I, 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 might th- miss I that. think it does. I've got to be honest. There were times I had to go back and rewatch bits. Yeah, because I, because I, for some reason, I mean, like we, we were talking about like Joe earlier on, um, when she escapes from the Ice Warriors room, I completely forgotten about that. For some yeah. reason, I, I, and I, again, I, I had to go back and, and watch it, so um, just to you know, just to remind myself. But, but a couple of things that are missing in the book, um, and so I'll start with the, with the last one first. Um, is the scene with Joe and Peladon at the end? Yeah. Um, when he's sort of asking her to you know, to stay and, that, and they kiss and everything, so that that was completely cut from from the book. But the other thing that was cut from the book as well um, was the Doctor's description of um, Alpha Centauri. When he says it's it's not here, she it's a knit. Yeah, and that bit's completely cut from the book, and I'm beginning to wonder why. I'm beginning to wonder if, if sort of Brian Howes regrets calling that particular character a knit. Yeah. No, it's just he, isn't it, through the book? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole hermaphrodite thing is completely dropped. Um, which, I, mean, I think it made, it made the character even more interesting, actually, because there hadn't been anything like that bef- you know, before in Doctor, or since, actually, for that matter. Um, so, I don't know, maybe he just didn't like the way that that was going, or he, or he didn't like the, the... So how can I get around the Doctor calling it, you know... Um, and it. So he just decided, all oh, right, I'm not going to bother, and just said, right, I'll just call it he, and let that 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 be an end to it. Well, no, I don't know. It may well be that he just, in terms of writing the book, he may well have felt that to keep referencing him as it. it yeah, it could just be as easy as that, couldn't it? Yeah. Just sort of takes it out of a. You, you sort of become more aware of that, whereas it's just, you know, if he says he, then mm. you're more in line with with it. I don't know. 
Yeah. No, no. Your your explanation is probably more close to the truth than mine. Because because in in the TV thing, it just has to be said once. Yeah. In the book, it would have to be all the time. Yeah, you couldn't say it came into the room, could you? No. You know, he you could you could say Alpha Centauri came into the room, but he came into the room. Alpha Centauri and he did this, and he said, you know, so yeah, it wouldn't be very nice to keep referring to the characters it all the yeah. time. It makes know. it sound then as if it's something. Not right, almost, or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I say the one other thing that didn't really change is, is kind of is, is the description of Agador itself. Um, the only difference being it was it was a lot bigger than obviously they they could get away with on the on the TV. Yes. you know they didn't. There wasn't any such thing as you know quick cuts and editing back in those days. Was no. It? So, um, but interesting, he didn't sort of change its appearance too much in in the written form. No. They did so keep it, it, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, sort of quite a, a cuddly killer, really, Agatop. <laughs> well, I mean, in the book, he's he's written as that, isn't it? it it's 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 not a an it, it it is it's an animal. It's just you know, it's it's a a bear like animal. Yeah, because there's that one thing that the um the doctor says that the, the, there's loads of them on, on the mountain, sort of thing, and they managed to capture what well, Hepish captured one, and sort of trained it to to act like that through um. He basically said through torture. He said a few things and finished with torture, but he suspected it was more the latter. Yeah, he said you can either do it with through reward or torture, doesn't he? Yeah. And he says he suspects it's through the latter to keep it that angry. Yeah. To have it as angry, have it yeah. angry when it needs to be or something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it just sort of shows that Epesh will, will go to any lengths possible to prevent preserve his way of life mm. um, and, and just and just basically yeah as we get back to this is not just a all oh, this has happened and this is Hepesh thinking on his feet no how long has this been planned yeah he's, he's been playing a long game he's, he's been trying to mould the king yeah um, into into you know following the ways of Agador but then of course you know he's he's progressive and he wants to join the federation and, and, all, and all that brings and he just wants to cling on to the the old ways. I mean, he's got, you know, that thing about you know all the tradition and history will be wiped out, and you know, and he's and he's been conned himself by Arcturus, really. Yes. I mean, Arcturus has just played on his fears, yeah. As he- Hepesh is playing on everyone else's fears, yeah. So, um, and that's why I like this story because everyone's playing one another, and even the Doctor's playing all because he's not who he says he is either. No, you know. Um, and I think the only ones who are who they say they are, I think really, is um, sort of Peladon, the Ice Warriors, and Arctu- and um, Alpha Centauri. Yeah, and the fact to, and the fact that you've also then got the twist in this of the Ice Warriors, which right from the start it's the Doctor don't trust them. Yeah, you know, so it, it's just a good twist that they are. You start off with them as the villains. Yeah. It's just a shame that he, Brian House decided to turn him back into the villains for Monster of Peladon. Yeah, um, but isn't it established that it, it's not? That's not representative of all, of all Ice Warriors. They're like no. a, like a, a certain faction or something, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've, I've got to be honest. I mean, I always, anytime I sort of read about an Ice Lord, I always think of Alan Benyon's voice. I think he's great as the you know, as an Ice Lord. Yeah, I, I, just, I just like the way he does it. Um, and I like the character of, of um, um, Islia as well, actually, because it, it's I think he's quite a um, 
I thought it was quite a level-headed character. Yeah. For, for, for a race of warriors, he's not he's not quick to break the guns out, is he? He's quite logical about everything. And that's yeah. and that's what I mean, that's, that's what I like about it. I mean, interestingly, because this is obviously part of the era now where they've had all the Earth-based Doctor, haven't they, yeah. for ages? This, yeah. is, this is now just the breaking away, isn't it, and getting into getting back into space and whatever. Yeah. And we sort of get a Brigadier character. Yes, we do, don't we, in a, in a funny way. You're right, we do get a Brigadier character. For the Doctor to play against. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just... No, that's interesting, yeah. I never thought about it like that, actually, but no, that's... that's, a, that's just just that's on the basis that you still then have the Doctor to have someone who can strong-arm the odd person when necessary. Yes. <laughs> And he certainly does that. He certainly does that. And use force when necessary. Yeah. Without the doctor having to such dirty his hands in no, killing exactly. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Now I I was really, really look. I, mean, I was really looking forward to reading this book. As I said at the top, you know, this is one of my favourite Doctor Who stories, and I, I, this book really, I, I really can't recommend it highly enough. Mm. You know, we, we've only. We've only sort of touched on a few of the, the, some of the plot differences here, but there's a whole lot more to this book. Yeah, than than, than just this. I mean, one uh, one bit we haven't mentioned was Grun actually when he catches up with Hepesh, mm. and he's talking to the, one of the captains of the guard. Yeah, there, and you get the fight scene there, which is obviously how much better than everyone else Grun was. Yeah. Um, obviously, which you're never gonna, you're never gonna get on TV at that time. Just from the point of how he d- disables him first, then kills him. Yeah, we sort of cut through the tendons on his hands. So yeah, you know, he's he drops the sword, then he kills him. So yeah, I mean, Grum was to be feared. And the you two know, soldiers uh, that come in next, like, hesitate for a second because they know they're not going to win. Yeah, that's only because of like Hepish's deviousness. Yeah. You know that they, um, you know that they do. So whereas on the no, TV, I... you just sort of seem to get Hepesh just hitting him on the head from behind, and that's it. And that's it. Yeah, almost yeah, as if a, you know he's a bit an anti-climax. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a bit you know not quick-witted enough to realise what's going on. Where it wasn't. No. He was actually fighting with honour at the time. Yeah. No, no, I. I cannot recommend this book highly enough i really cannot i really cannot i think it's, i think this was a really really good read yeah it really was a good read and um and I say to our li- you know our listeners track it down read it and like i say actually quite some of it is quite pertinent to where we are now it in is. the world yeah it certainly is it certainly is so should we leave that there yes yes good good Excellent. I'm glad we both enjoyed that anyway, because um, I, I think if either of us had um, not enjoyed one of us and, and enjoyed it, I think that would have um, <laughs> not made for such quite good listening. Because I think mm-hmm. it is is a is a fantastic book, and I can't really find any fault with it, to be honest. No, really. But I say, apart from that one thing, it doesn't explain the whole um, Arcturus playing his hands too early thing. It's, it's more of a disappointment than a than a. Yeah, just just for the fact that I just know. thought it was the one point where a book could have gone into it. 
But yeah. you just actually the other thing I was going to say is just generally watching this, you think how much more the book fleshed out to the TV sh- series. Yeah, and then you think, but that was still an hour and a half worth of TV. Hmm. That's why they can't do stuff like this nowadays. No, they can't. You you can't have this sewing that that you know. Characters sort of double crossing one another and 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 building up trust and that trust being betrayed and things like that. It's just you just got to hit the ground running now in, in modern yeah. television. You, could, you couldn't see how they could have fitted this into a forty-five well, I, minute I, episode. I, I, I say modern television because you you do get plenty of serials out there that that you know will keep the audience yeah. guessing right right until the last thing. But you you can't do it with with Doctor Who now. No, unfortunately, you've got a lot to pack into forty-five minutes. So I think this is why the Doctor is all. All knowing now, there's there's yeah. no mystery left to the Doctor, is there? Because he's he's got to know what's going on to move the story forward. Yeah, in a, in a lot in a lot of ways. So um, I'm not I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say um, you know, oh it was better in the old days. You know, um, there were good things in the old days. There was a lot of bad things in the old days of Doctor Who, and and it's the same now as well. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. You know. So it's um, no, I, I I do agree though. You you could not do a story like this now. You you really couldn't. You really couldn't. So um, anyway, that, that's our that was our, our little review um, of of that particular story. So um, I guess we're up with, with a, a big finish story next, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Um, we haven't decided what one we're going to do yet. Have you Have you had any ideas? No. <laughs> no. Okay then. Well, we'll announce that then. <laughs> yes. When we figured it to out. To be confirmed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, everybody. So, um, so until we... Oh, actually, um, I just want to give um, um, a shout-out um, to uh, another podcast, actually, because they've recently given us a shout-out as well. Um, it's a podcast called uh, Spoilers Are Cool. Um, they've just started up. They, they've been starting... Um, basically, they, they started up um, this podcast, starting from the very beginning um, of, of Doctor Who, really. So, um, yeah, it's basically they started from uh, an earthly chart and they're working their way through the stories, all even like reconstructions um, as well. And it is a very, very entertaining, um, entertaining um, podcast. Um, and it's also, um, it's, it sounds very, very patronising, I know, but it's done obviously from from a, a female perspective as well. So, which is something we we were lamented about our podcast yes. last time, wasn't it, Paul? So we yeah. don't have uh, we don't have any female perspective, but it's it's a very, very good um, and worthwhile podcast to listen to. So I think they've had, they've had about um, about five episodes out now. So um, so that's with Nicole and Carrie. So um, so please, please give them a listen. Spoilers are cool. Okay, everybody. Um, so until we, so we'll, we'll let you know what we're going to do uh, on Facebook um, with regards to Big Finish. Mm. So we'll, um, we'll, we've got we've got a vast back catalogue to get through, haven't we? So yes. <laughs> we certainly have. Okay, everyone. So until next time, then it is goodbye from me, Phil, and goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye.
were listening to the Who's He podcast, please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.